International Women's Day. To celebrate this wonderful day and week, we are going to give you a sneak peek into the lives of our team at Astrid and You while we continue to work from home. I am your host, Connie Nam, founder and CEO of Astrid and You. This is a virtual recording, so please excuse the sound quality. Today, I have with me three very talented managers from different areas of the business. Laura, our senior product manager, Emma, our senior brand design manager, and Lily, our social media and content manager. Welcome to the International Women's Day special episode. Laura, Emma, and Lily. So before, before we go into any specific, um, I guess, questions from, from our followers and our community, I thought it would be really interesting for our listeners to learn about your personal journey, how you got to Astrid Mew and how you got to your roles, because you are all very successful managers at Astrid and Mew. Shall we um, start from Laura? Sure. Um, I mean, I didn't really take a usual route into buying and product development. Uh, I was a little bit slow off the mark, but um, I started working in retail and then I started off in Melbourne um, for a wholesale accessories company. So I was assisting a buyer and a product developer there. Um, I realized quite quickly that there were some gaps in my skill set for sure. So uh, I did a lot of uh, short courses and um, yeah, different little side courses in Photoshop, Illustrator. I watched a million YouTube videos on Excel um, and ended up developing jewelry eventually. So I started off with accessories and um, some small products and then eventually got into jewelry. And for me, everything just clicked when I started working with jewelry. Uh, I always loved it as a child. It's such a sentimental product. Um, so, yeah, I started developing jewellery and worked for an Australian uh, jewellery company before I moved over to the UK and um, started at Astrid and Miu. So, Do you think, Laura, not having that conventional path has helped you in um, what you're doing currently and also being a manager? Yeah, absolutely. I think for so long, I was worried that it would hinder me. So I, I really, um, I just worked so hard and I tried to pick up different skills wherever I could, um, be it through different colleagues and, you know, pursuing different courses. Um, but I feel like it's definitely given me um, a lot of drive and then a, an understanding of that drive as well. Um, and I really, yeah, I look for that, I suppose, as well in people too. And I guess you also worked in retail and wholesale. Did that, that give you a really good understanding about customer profiles? Because obviously, like, that's so important in product development, isn't it? Yeah, that's the first thing. Yeah, exactly. You know it from that point up. So um, just understanding that customer experience and, and working so closely with customers as well, you get a really good grounding in retail. Um, you just meet so many walks of life as well. It's a really good um, starting point for sure. Yeah, yeah. And how did you fill that gap? You said you took a lot of short courses. Was there one particular course that really resonated with you in being um, a product developer? I think in terms of the development, the Illustrator and Photoshop courses were really good because I got to have um, a lot more of an understanding of how to actually put product together and build product. Um, and work with the suppliers. So that was definitely um, something that I loved. I also did uh, like a silversmithing course too. So in terms of jewelry, um, that was amazing. I just learned so much about metals and um, forms and how to put things together as well um, with some added sort of bench skills. So I loved that. I thought that was amazing. Um, mm, yeah, that sounds really fun. 
And um, so now on to Emma. Emma, tell me about you. Tell me about how you got here, how you started your career, what did you study, everything. Yeah, so I had, uh, like Laura, a bit of a like winding road to where I wanted to go to. I don't think working in branding and design was something I ever really knew I wanted to do growing up. Um, so like when I was like 13, I was very nerdy and learned how to code and build websites. Uh, so at first I thought that's what I wanted to do. You are still nerdy, Emma. Yeah, no, I know, I know. <laughs> Um, and then yeah like I remember I was going down that route was dating a boy in my class we broke up so I just like quit the course and went on to do fashion and textiles which then led me down the path of doing like textile design and fell out of love with that for a while I thought I wanted to be a visual merchandiser so while studying I was a part-time visual merchandiser then decided I wanted to go into trend forecasting and interned there um to eventually kind of when I had finished interning and finished uni, needed a job and graphic design was the thing that matched my skill set the best. Um, so I had one previous like professional job before this, which was a graphic designer and marketing coordinator. But I think all of that weird and winding experience really encompasses everything I do at Astrid and Me You in mm. a weird and wonderful way. And I think it makes me a stronger designer and manager having that wide experience versus only ever having studied graphic design, for example. Absolutely. Yeah. Because when you're designing, you also have to think about the customers. Like, um, I mean, to Laura's point and everything else, right? It encompasses mm. everything else in the business. Yeah, you're absolutely right. So Emma, you are one of our earliest employees. I think we only had eight people in our tiny office when you joined. And I know you had a lot of firsts in your job. And I've seen, I've personally seen tremendous growth in you within Astrid and You. Can you tell our listeners a bit about those, like your growth journey and how you've actually grown personally and professionally? Yeah, of course. I mean, it's funny you say we were literally eight people in the office when I joined. I actually have a, a saw a photo of International Women's Day from 2018, and there's literally like eight people, and it was the entire office <laughs> in this one boomerang. Um, so yeah, that's so, mad. Yeah, that, that's only three years ago. Just I know. to put it in perspective. I know it's insane, but that was literally like the entire office in this one picture. Um, so yeah, I mean, the thing I'd say is from joining Astrid and Miu is even from my very first year, we just dived straight into everything. I think you'd agree like 2018 was a pretty like wild year for us. Uh, we did yeah. so many things as a brand for the first time, but at the time it was also my first time doing these things so we did like the we launched the earbar concept our first piercing studio I did my first ever shop design and we like launched in Selfridges we did international photo shoots all of these things so my first experience of joining Astrid and BU um that first year it was just a bit of a like wild ride it was just kind of like buckle up and just go with it so that first year I really did have to learn how to you know just get stuck in and not worry too much I'm naturally an anxious person who wants to plan and overthink and really work out how to use my skill set 
in that context, which I think has made me a better creative person as well yeah. as I think professionally better as well. My entire three-year journey at Astrid Mew has really taught me how to approach high-pressure situations, especially those things that are new to you. Um, I think that's the biggest thing I've taken away from my first three years at Astrid Mew. And then Lily, tell us about you. Yeah, of course. So I was definitely the cliche passion for fashion gal. So I went to uni (laughs) (laughs) to study fashion communication, but decided after the first year, it wasn't quite fulfilling enough for me. And I'd much rather just jump straight into industry experience as I felt that would be a lot more valuable. So I made the decision to drop out after my first year, which was a little bit daunting at the time. Um, However, I managed to get a placement at a fashion agency so I made the move to London almost five years ago now and I've not really looked back since. Um, I've previously worked doing socials more agency based so looking after a portfolio of like fashion and beauty brands but really wanted to focus on just one brand and really put my all into it which is why this role um, yeah, has worked out so well. And it's so rewarding now to have like an amazing team of my own and be able to have the creative freedom to bring all of our amazing ideas to life together. Yeah, that's really good. And uh, obviously social media is such a coveted job right now. I feel like every 20 something year old wants to be a social media manager. <laughs> Yet, I mean, it, it evolves so quickly and not many senior marketers get it. So I, I, I'm pretty sure like it's really hard to get guidance. So how do you ensure that you s- stay on top of your game and really innovate because it's such a fast moving area of marketing? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think it's so important now more than ever to really find your voice as a brand and dedicate time to remaining as reactive as possible within, yeah, like such an ever-changing landscape. So I think it's super important to ensure that your team is doing exactly that. Um, So I've recently introduced our Knowledge Squad concept, which is essentially like a dedicated research team created to ensure we're constantly striving to enhance A&M's brand portfolio and our overall like social presence. Um, and I think new social trends and platforms are occurring like at such a fast pace it's so important to like really experiment with the content you're putting out there and providing like a fully immersive experience for your community so just knowing to like really diversify your social platforms and like not relying too heavily on just one channel I think it's like so important to have um, the sort of like something for everyone mindset throughout and just really ensure you're yeah moving with the times yeah, obviously Instagram is a huge focus for us. Um, and it was a huge focus for me personally when I started the business. But what um, do you think is the next big thing or like which platforms do you um, consume a lot of energy on? I would say definitely TikTok. Obviously, that's kind of like the new up and coming like vertical video. Like that's what I was kind of saying with like the fully immersive experience. Um, and I think just video generally is just such a big format um, within the landscape. Everyone's like attention spans are now literally something ridiculous like less than eight seconds so I think it's so crucial to just like really capture your audience's attention like within the first few seconds which is obviously something um TikTok does so well so yeah I'd say TikTok's definitely at the moment the sort of like one to watch for sure and practically speaking are there any blogs or podcasts you recommend to our listeners if they want to be better at social media or if they want to go into social media 
Yeah, I think definitely we find things like webinars super helpful in particular. So me and my team um, sort of subscribe to a lot of newsletters from places like Born Social and like We Are Social Media. Um, And I think also just kind of immersing yourselves in the platforms on like a personal and professional level. So constantly saving things that you can like refer back to as a brand for like inspiration and sharing things in like group chats. But I also think like, I was saying with the knowledge squad concept, just like dedicating time to like actually research and mm. go away and like teach yourself and find out what the next thing is. Cause I think it's one thing could be trending one week and the next it's gone. So it's just so important to kind of be in the moment with it um, and jump on it straight away. Yeah, absolutely. And then back to Laura. Um, I mean, when, when I first started the business, I kind of did product development really badly. <laughs> but at that time, when I started, brand, brands like Astro and Mew didn't really exist in the market. But now I feel like there seem, seems to be so many brands that are targeting similar audiences in, in similar channels with similar propositions. How are you ensuring as our um, product lead that we stay ahead in innovating and making sure that we stick to our mission? of revolutionizing the jewelry industry? Well, um, it's a big question, but I think to innovate, you need to be questioning and always exploring and testing things and not being afraid to test things and try things. So um, to me, innovation comes in so many forms, large and small. Um, I think we could be looking at something really little, like ways to innovate a tiny little clasp to make it function and be a little bit different. Um, Or we could be looking at something bigger, a wider project and um, process. So both ends of the scale are really important. Um, The devil's in the detail. So it's good to be across um, both sort of ends of innovation. Um, But something in the pipeline that really excites me that we're looking at using um, is a 3D printer. So this is a laser printer that will translate uh, digital designs into 3D resin moulds for us to review and test prior to sampling. Um, So this is something that's quite exciting, the machine itself sort of puts me in a bit of a trance. So don't, don't let me stand in front of the machine for too long. I might lose a few hours, but um, it's really cool to watch. And I think it's just about being open-minded and um, constantly pursuing different materials and processes that are out there and um, giving it a whirl, I think. Obviously, like uh, aside from innovation, sustainability is such a huge topic, especially with brands. And I guess it kind of starts from the product and supply chain side. What um, Can you tell us a bit about what we're doing from the product side? Yeah, so it's really exciting at this time. Um, just so many different products and materials and things that are in use and processes that are changing at the moment to make a more sustainable future. And um, that's really exciting. So we'll be reviewing all of our processes um, right from the point of uh, concept with jewellery until they're in store and beyond. So um, we'll be looking at different materials that we can be using um, recyclable metals and then what we can do with our jewellery as well uh, just to make it um, last and also be reused again um, and repurposed. So there's definitely a few different avenues that we're pursuing down the sustainable route. And I mean, we're all learning at the same time and growing. And I think it's, um, yeah, there's a lot about just having a look at what we can do and doing it in stages and um, yeah, working towards an end goal to be more sustainable. 
Yeah, absolutely. A sustainable plan to become sustainable, right? Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and then back to Emma. Um, Emma, I, I think like you're probably one of the most like innovative people in the business. And I love just like brainstorming with you about different ideas personally. How do you um, ensure that you know, you don't have a creative block. What, what kind of advice would you give to someone who's going through a creative block, who's um, not able to innovate? Um, yeah. Would you have any tips? I mean, one thing that always, and it comes back to me being a bit nerdy, that inspires me is like having a system and having a, like a process of how you're going to approach something. And I think like, it's so easy, especially when you're in a creative rut to forget the most important step which is being inspired and I know like it's something I've talked a lot with my team about this year is like galleries are closed you can't go out and look at what's happening on the high street you can't you can't be inspired but one thing we found as a team is like actually where you can inspire each other whether that's just having a general brainstorm meeting and talking about the things that excite you and I think that's the biggest advice I would give to getting over a, a creative creative block would be to start from the beginning and actually yeah. like review why are you wanting to do something? What's the end goal? Mm. Um, because, you know, you can create a thousand ideas. You can always come up with something, but usually the, the, the roadblock is you, there's too many ideas. You're not too sure where to go or what your, what your purpose is. So for me, it's always kind of coming at it from a bit more of an analytical point of view as to like, okay, well, what's the purpose of this? What do we want the customer to feel? How do we want them to respond to this? And then usually an idea will come organically from that. Yeah. Yeah. So having that framework, it kind of sounds counterintuitive because when you, when people think creative, it just yeah. it feels like you need to pull something out of thin air, but just giving that framework, I absolutely agree with you. Yeah. And I think, yeah, it's like really practical. Yeah, of course, because pulling something out of thin air is like, it's not sustainable in that way of like, if you're a creative person and this is your career and you're doing this day in, day out, you can't just pull ideas from thin air every day, mm. regardless of how much you love your work or you love your job. Like you're putting far too much pressure on yourself to come up with new ideas all the time. And that yeah. actually working together, whether that's a brainstorm session or a Slack channel, like you're going to generate stronger ideas together than you are someone just coming up with a single answer. Yeah. 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 That's such, such good advice for creative people, because I think it's very counterintuitive, like having framework and having no creative ego and, you know, just asking for people. So that's really good. Before we go into the next set of questions, there were a few questions from our community for me. So let's see. Um, Number one question from Andrew. There is a clear diversity within your workforce. Is this something you believe comes with a lot of benefits? Absolutely. I think diversity definitely brings inclusivity and empathy. And I can tell from my personal experience of being different growing up, I've built strong self-awareness, but also empathy towards others, hopefully. Another thing um, is diversity of ideas. Naturally, if you come from various backgrounds, you will have experienced different things therefore bring different perspectives to the table. I learn so much every day from the diverse group of people, um, diverse group of um, colleagues that are at Astrid and Mew. And 
that's um, one of my key joys of running Astrid Mew, and I do not take this for granted. Number two, from Kamya. What is the best advice you'd give to someone starting their journey into the world of business? Mm, this is a very interesting one. Uh, I, I think it may sound a bit cliche, but um, idea and vision is a very small part of the business. Execution is everything. So make sure you can execute. If not, surround yourself with people that can get stuff done, which is what I've done. And equally, your smarts and talent are only a very, very small part of running a business. Your team is everything. So make sure you build a great team and treat them really well. Okay, so quick questions to all of you in case anyone is applying to a position in your team or they aspire to be where you are. Number one, experience versus education. I don't mind which. I'm always looking at portfolio before anything else, especially at the initial stage. Um, really looking for if someone's got the right skill set, design taste, and if this is kind of their passion versus, you know, someone could have years of experience or very little. Sometimes the portfolio usually speaks for themselves. Mm, mm. So the raw talent. I would say, um, especially within like a social media related role, I think experience over education 100%. I feel like I'm living proof, like you definitely don't need uni or a like degree for a creative social media role. I think from a product side, um, it's one or the other or both. Um, there's not probably one that I favor more. I think as long as um, it's communicated through your CV or application or cover letter, um, whether you're just trying to make your experience um, relevant to the role that you're applying for and the same thing um, with your education. If you can communicate um, how it relates to the role, I think that's probably the most important part. Yeah. And number two, culture fit versus technical skills. For me, it's uh, when hiring for someone in the, the design team, it's both. Um, it's okay for them not to know everything about a certain program, as long as there's like a desire to learn. And then there's also the case of like, if the brand style isn't like, if, if our brand style isn't their brand style, it's really hard to teach that taste level. Um, so, and then culture fit is just, given I think especially in our culture um as a company and especially within the design team so both yeah I also think an equal balance so having an understanding of our brand culture but also of the social landscape as a whole so I think someone for example within the social content team who's really like trend savvy someone who's really in the know or can just sort of like help us to constantly like strive to elevate our overall like portfolio so it's a lot more being in the know alongside the technical skills as well I would say in the know that's a good good phrase yeah <laughs> Yeah, I would 100% agree. It's both. Um, yeah, I think it depends on the role as well. But say we were um, hiring a designer, um, technical skills would obviously be needed. Um, but the cultural fit definitely comes into play as well, just to keep pushing that forward. Yeah. And I mean, like we, I personally value culture fit a lot when I hire my direct reports. And I think it's such a huge part of our business. And now like so many people are wanting to work at Astrid and you, I guess, what's your philosophy on culture fit from your point of view as a manager? For me, it's really like 
it can do attitude and like really willing to just give anything a go like a phrase I kind of really hate is like oh that's not in my job description like unless it's a continuous problem and it's you're always being asked to do something like uh, the culture especially within my team is if someone's struggling you go and help them you were a team for a reason and it's that team spirit for me yeah, I would say something similar. And I also think obviously at Ashford and Me, we have super strong brand values, which are kind of transpired throughout our teams and like throughout the company culture as well. So similar to what Emma, Emma was saying, like celebrating each other and sort of like breaking boundaries, like encouraging each other, I think, to like push yourself out of your comfort zone and encouraging like your teammates and team members to do the same I think is so important and just sort of creating that safe space environment so everyone feels confident to pitch ideas and chip in um in that way as well absolutely I think having that collaborative nature is just so important and um, a willingness to learn as well there's so many um different skill sets floating around and within the team and it's so nice to be able to draw on those and all learn from each other and support one another so it's 100 really important yeah, really good. And then number three, one CV tip, if you had any. I would say if you're applying for a job in social media in particular, I feel like you really have to showcase your passion and like obviously stand out from the crowd. So really utilize social media formats and get really creative, like with your CV and your application process as a whole. So like do something different, like really be memorable and really like grab the brand's attention, like to try and use those formats in a different way. Yeah. For the design, for any design role, I would really say it's to work out what your own design style is and what your strongest at or what you want to want to do. So many times I receive portfolios from graphic designers who will put a section on everything they've ever studied. So a bit of trend forecasting, a bit of photography, a bit of styling, and then only one page on graphic design. And I think to me that shows that you're kind of maybe unsure about what you want to do. Even if you're lacking experience, it doesn't really show like who you are or what you want to create and why you want to work for the brand. So I think really tailoring the portfolio or the piece of work you want to show the brand, the very first email is really what catches your eye. So very similar to what Lily said of standing out from the crowd, but showing us who you really are as a creative person. Absolutely. I think having looked through a lot of um, CVs just recently, we had a, a role um, available and we had nearly 300 applicants. So I think um, it's really important to be concise in the information that you're putting in your CV and make sure it's relevant to the role um, and definitely do your research as well, because that shows really good tips. And if you were to give one interview tip from your perspective? Um, for me, it would be, it's an obvious one. It's on every list ever, but ask questions. It really does just show that you're interested in the role. I think it can be really easy to forget when you're being interviewed that you're also interviewing us. So someone who asks questions, even if they're obvious questions, it just creates that feeling of like, you know, we're interviewing each other here. You're you're also interested in working for us and finding out the nitty gritty about working at Astrid and Miu. Yeah, absolutely. What was the most interesting question you you ever had to answer? 
I can't think of anything like totally out there. The ones that always stand out to me are the ones where they're really specific about the role. So, Mm. you know, asking about, okay, what does this day to day of this look like? What does the culture of that, who would I be collaborating for this? Because to me, it just really shows that they, they want to know, they can, or they're starting to already picture themselves in that role and they want to know more about it. Yeah. Definitely. It shows that they care and they've thought about it, right? Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Yeah, I would also say something quite similar, but I think it is just so apparent when people haven't really researched the brand or looked into it as much as they should have. Because I know that when we're sort of doing our interview process, we like to highlight recent things that we've done or ask them what a recent like favorite campaign of theirs was. And I think it's quite telling with the answers that they give. So as simple as it sounds, just like make sure that you have obviously done your research and you are showing that you care and that you are passionate about the role that you're applying for rather than it just be sort of like a copy and pasted, like how you would with the CV application within the interview. I think it's quite easy for us to be able to tell that from the other side. Yeah, I completely agree with Emma and Lily. And I think it's just so important as well to be yourself because that shines through um, and it'll come out eventually. So I think it's really good to inject a bit of your own character and personality in there. It's really nice to see when you're interviewing someone. And I think if you're not sure of something or 100%, that's okay. It's sort of better than um, to just say it rather than sort of muddling your way through it. But um, I think as well from someone that's been interviewed a few times, it helps to practice a little bit before you go into an interview and just have a conversation with those around you, have a think about some questions that might be asked. And um, you always feel a little bit better when you're really prepared as well. And obviously it's going to be a little bit unfamiliar and unknown, but I think it helps if you've had a little bit of practice as well. Yeah, that's really good practical tip. With anything, I think practice makes perfect, isn't it? Yeah. And and finally, if you if you have any book or podcast recommendations, would you be able to tell our listeners? Um, I have one that's more related to being a young manager. It's actually something you put me onto, Connie, which is Making a Manager by Julie uh, Zo. Um, oh yeah, I remember that. <laughs> it was a total game changer for me in terms of being a young creative team manager. I remember the day you actually sent me, she did an interview on like Harvard Business Review podcast. And I remember like listening to it at the time and it making me want to cry because all of the problems she faced as a young manager managing a creative team were all of the issues that I was experiencing at the time and it's now like the go-to book or podcast I recommend to anybody who is like starting to manage even just one person or considering that or taking the next step in their career because she just lays it out in such a like non-preachy like sometimes you get these books on managing people and it's written by a man and it's like you do this and you do that (laughs) it comes from such a place of empathy and yeah yeah so powerful yeah she just sounds so normal right she sounds like she can be your friend (laughs) absolutely Uh, I've got a podcast this one's been around forever but I just always go back to Desert Island Discs and I just I love listening to people's journeys and the obstacles they've um, overcome and there's just I don't know listening to people's life experiences and then having it sort of dotted by their soundtrack of their life I suppose is um, yeah just always find it really inspiring Super interesting. So we recently ran a huge marketing campaign around self-love, which was hugely successful and inspiring. 
tying into this theme, what would you tell your younger self, everyone? <laughs> oh, I would tell my little worrying self not to worry so much and just go for it. Uh, you just don't know what's around the corner and what's going to happen. So um, just jump in and, and yeah, be brave and go for it. And I think um, something else I would tell myself um, is to keep up, keep up creative pursuits. So even if it's on the side, it's nice to have somewhere to sort of go in your own space and uh, let your imagination run wild. So that's what I tell my little self. Um, I would be really just to keep following the things that interest you. Like you're always going to feel lost and unsure of yourself and that's never really going to go away. But when you're excited and passionate about what you're doing, somehow everybody else has faith in you and that excitement shows through and people let you lead the way. And I think like lean on the incredible women that come your way through them. They'll realize your talents well before you ever will. Um, they see the potential in you and enjoy yourself. Just let go of things like try new things. Don't let your anxiety hold you back and just live your life to the fullest. Yeah, I feel like following on from kind of what Emma was saying with more supporting other women, but definitely like try not to compare yourself. I feel like self-comparison is literally like self-sabotage. I feel like everyone's on their own journey and that's okay. And I feel like I also had some questionable makeup choices as well. <laughs> so maybe, <laughs> yeah, like my top thing that I had like highlighted and bold was just like, remember the concealer is not lipstick. So like, just definitely don't ever do that again. <laughs> yeah, that's one trend I hope never comes back. Yeah, yeah like dream hat moves can just get in a bit. Like, just throw that away. <laughs> yeah, really good advice, everyone. And, and fi finally, this year's um, International Women's Day theme is hashtag choose to challenge. What does this mean to you? Um, so choose to challenge for me, I would say it's all about choosing to challenge the norm. So I think more so as a brand, like we have a real responsibility to ensure we're giving back and empowering our community. So constantly opening ourselves up for feedback on how we can improve and do better to really like make a change. Um, I think it's so important for us to utilize the voice that we have, especially on socials and really use this as like a community hub to showcase our values as a brand and continue to break boundaries with the content and messaging that we're putting out um, I feel like we're constantly striving to cater to all and provide joy for everyone as a brand so I feel like this particular messaging really resonates with us and suits our brand strategy really well completely um, to me choose challenge means really recognizing my own privilege personally and professionally and recognizing the space in which I hold um, listening and taking action to uplift include support all women um, to utilize the voice that we have as a brand and the position that I hold within that brand creating a space for all women to feel supported reflected and heard um, through everything that we do Absolutely. And I think um, to me, choose to challenge uh, speaks to the importance of the discussion and action towards change. 
Um, so something that I read that I love is that big changes come from a lot of little changes and we all have a part to play in that. And I think it's just really owning that responsibility. Um, we've seen how much um, can be achieved when we all stick together and support one another and create that um, supportive environment. Um, and there's so much strength in that. So just really playing into that and um, choosing to challenge. It's an important step towards greater inclusion and equality and um, yeah, there's much to be done, but I feel like we're on a really exciting path. Yeah. So inspiring you guys. So for me personally, choose to challenge means defying all stereotypes in my life. I was raised between two cultures and languages, neither of which I fit into. I started my career in investment banking as the only female um, professional in the office at the time. And I left a well-defined career path by starting Astrid and Mew. And then when I started Astrid and Mew, I started it to challenge the conventional wisdom in the jewelry industry. And I will continue to challenge for as long as I can and teach my two daughters to do the same. And like, uh, honestly, I think this is what we do best at Astrid and Mew, everyone within the team. So thanks everyone, um, Lily, Emma, and Laura for joining me. And thanks everyone for tuning in. Thanks, Connie. Thanks, Connie. <laughs> Happy International Women's Day. <laughs> thanks for listening to the Astrid and You podcast. If you enjoyed listening, please do make sure you like, subscribe, and leave a review. And to learn more about the Brand Lab, please come search on our website, astridandyou.com.